Welcome to the Talking Solutions with the Chesh podcast. I'm your host, William Cheshire. Join me in learning about optimistic solutions to some of society's problems as we interview entrepreneurs, small business owners, and employees, among others, working to provide solutions and bring positivity into the world. Welcome into another episode of Talking Solutions with the Chesh. This one is an episode I've been looking forward to, pretty excited about. This is a, a guest I wanted to have on before I even launched the podcast. Uh, a friend of mine that I met down in Mexico a City, a gentleman by the name of Toby Egbuna and the co-founder, CEO of Chesi. Toby, how are we today? I'm great, man. Glad to be here. Yeah, yeah. Happy to happy to have you on. And Toby, I want you to, to just explain a little bit about what your company does and what the solution it, it provides. Yeah, for sure. So I'm the co-founder and CEO of Chesi, as Will said. I found the company with my sister. We are actually first-generation Nigerian immigrants. So Chesi is the Igbo word for reflect. We think that job seekers need to do some self-reflection and figure out what it is that they want out of workplaces. And companies need to do some reflection and figure out if the efforts that they're putting forth for diversity and inclusion are actually having the impact that, they're, that they want to have. But in terms of solutions, we help people from underrepresented communities find jobs that they love. Right. And we kind of do that in two ways. For job seekers, we gather anonymous stories from existing employees and former employees at prospective companies and make them publicly available so people can kind of find out what it's like to be black or gay or a woman or any combination of identities at a particular company. Um, and then for companies, we help give them the tools to retain the talent that they that they already have by uh, empowering their employee resource groups. And I'm sure, you know, we'll talk more about what ERGs are and stuff like that down the call. But it's kind of a quick uh, summary. Yeah, and Toby, it was really interesting to me about your platform as well, is it's such a wide ranging uh, of minority groups as well. I mean, like you said, uh, you're talking Black, Latinx, veterans as well. What type of research kind of went into that to, to kind of determine all the groups and the underrepresentations that you were finding? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the thing is, like, we have, so we capture gender identity, race, sexual orientation, age, veteran status, and disabled, disabled status. And there's so many more that we like we thought about adding. We were like, we can't we have to, you know, pick kind of what we call like a big six, I guess. But we actually started the company. We just we had the idea. We were like, you know, I was working in corporate. I was working at Accenture at a consulting company. My sister was working at a big tech company. And um, we were just kind of like, you know, we've been here for a while, but there's not really a way for you to know what it's like to be here unless you're already here. You know, what I mean, and so we had the idea. and We actually started just by asking like 50 friends, family colleagues, you know, questions like, what is it that you want to know about a company before you apply to work there? If you're in an interview, you know how you're in, a, you're in an interview and at the end of the interview, the person's like, hey, do you have any questions for me? Right. We wanted to know what questions people were asking when it came time for that, um, what people were looking for on Glassdoor, on LinkedIn, where they're having these conversations, et cetera. And we just wanted we just like wanted to make sure that we weren't just talking to people that look like us. We wanted to talk to people from the LGBTQ community, people with disabilities, people that were veterans, like you mentioned, older people. Right. And those are kind of just the big the big six categories that we kept on. But like we could have gone into like parents, different kinds of disabilities, first generation immigrant immigrants, et cetera. And maybe we will down the road, but it's kind of like you got to start somewhere. Absolutely. And one of my favorite parts about your platform and about what you guys are all trying to do and the solution that it really provides is that kind of 
willingness to have those conversations and the openness. Uh, I don't know about you. Maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like sometimes it can be uncomfortable or difficult for people to have those conversations right. in an accepting, open way. And you're providing that solution and allowing people that might work for you know, I, I know Amazon or whatever company it might be and let them share those kind of experiences. So you mentioned kind of talking to them to start the stories that they wanted to hear. What type of reaction were you getting from those people uh, when you first kind of gave that idea and said, hey, we're thinking about doing this platform, my sister and I? Yeah, I mean, I I think that was the most encouraging thing is that everyone we spoke to, I mean, there were multiple people we spoke to that were like, yo, this needs to happen. You know, like this, like, how does this not already exist already? Like, there's any way that we can help? Like, let me know. And that's been the most encouraging thing is that I think like we speak to black people and they obviously automatically get it. But we speak to women, we speak to uh, veterans, we speak to people with disabilities. And they're like, yo, I've been looking for something like this. Right. Like at this point, I think everyone wants to work for a company where they feel like they belong. They're less concerned about the sexy perks that companies are offering and we're concerned about like, is this company as as inclusive as it, as they say they are, right? Or are they just putting up a black square on Instagram because everyone else is doing it, you know? That was honestly when we first started and still to this day is like, I think what really keeps us going is that like, we know this is something that people need. It's just a matter now of like figuring out how to execute on it and like, and grow it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the actual, the business aspect of it of course right. as well exactly. yeah yeah exactly. Which is something. exactly we'll get into exactly. that in a little bit but uh, but on that note and kind of on the flip end of that you talk about you know sometimes those employers or sometimes those companies just posting the black square because everyone's doing it yeah you know look a pr you know if you will uh what types of conversations have you had with some of those companies particularly about the software and things of that nature as well what's kind of been their response uh, to this solution has it been pretty welcoming when we first launched, we didn't have a software. Our initial business model was very similar to Glassdoor, where we would help companies um, recruit talent because it was, it was a pretty clean synergy. Like talent is coming to our platform to find out what it's like to work at Google, Airtable, Facebook, whatever. So it makes sense that those companies would post jobs because people are already kind of looking at their plat at their pages. The issue is that we launched in June of last year, like a week after George Floyd happened. And, you know, while it was obviously a boon for our business because every company was like looking for diversity recruiting, it was also a boon for every other company out there that was already doing diversity recruiting, right? And it was just very hard for us to kind of carve out our niche that way. And so we, we took a step back a couple months ago and just thought about, you know, what else, ask around, like, what else are y'all doing for DEI? Like, where else can we maybe be helpful? And we thought about employee resource groups and how, like, you know, we both myself and my sister had a lot of experience with them. And we know that they can be great for, like, retaining talent and just kind of building that community. But a lot of companies don't have a way for people to actually, like, join, Right. It's, it's very informal. It's kind of there's no like set structure, which means that they can't retain the talent that the way the way that they should be via these ERGs. So from the recruiting thing, I think a lot of people we get we got a lot of interest from it. But then people would ask, like, how many users do you have? What kind of results can I expect to have from posting jobs here? And we like we couldn't give them a good answer. Right. Like we could have, you know, if we waited and like our mm -hmm. platform had naturally grown, we got lucky with a couple PR things, whatever, whatever. But we didn't want to wait that long. So like this ERG thing, we've only been at it for like two, three months, but like we already have more in like the sales pipeline that we literally ever had with Chessie before in the last like year and a half, two years we've been working on it. And now it's just full on like sales mode, right? Like how do we find the right kind of people that have this problem, but also have the budget to pay for it? You know what I mean? So I think it's the the ERG, the employer solution is, is we finally, I think we found a niche there. And then we also obviously found our niche for a job seeker. So it's kind of a good balance. Yeah, it's a good mix, which is exactly what you want, right? Because you kind of want to satisfy, you know, both parties on this mm -hmm. as well, even though it, it seems like it's more, you know, focused for the job seeker, if you will, as well. But right. that's pretty cool that you came up with kind of that software as well. Was that just a 
kind of a, a moment of iteration, like you said, where it was like you and your sister, like, okay, we need to figure out a way to kind of get this second end if we want to really bring in this whole package. Yeah, I think what, so we had had the, the idea for a, a DEI focused software for a while, um, because we always say like, you know, if you look at sales, there are so many like sales software, Salesforce, pipe drive, all these other things. If you look at marketing, there's HubSpot and there's, you know, all these digital marketing softwares, anything like that. But if you look at DEI, that doesn't really exist. Right. So we were like, let's just make that. Let's make the Salesforce, the HubSpot, but for DEI. And obviously, like, that's a huge goal to have from the beginning. So we were like, okay, what can we start with? And um, a friend of mine that actually does DEI at a pretty big, like, consumer brand company. And she reached out to say, like, because I had just spoken to her and kind of picked her brain, told her what we were thinking about doing. And she was like, do y'all, you know, have you made any progress on it? We're looking for something around ERGs, something to help us, like, provide a portal basically for our ERGs and our members and our employees to join an ERG whenever they want to. And I was like, no, I don't, but I could probably spin something up. So I did, I made it in no code. I showed it to her. She was like, this is exactly what we need. Like sign us up. Like let's, let's get into like the sales process. And I was like, it's over. Like this is it. We found something. Let's try to sell it. Let's build it out. Let's see who else we can show it to. So that's kind of how we, we, we stumbled upon it. Awesome. And just for the listeners out there that may not know, can you just explain a little bit about the, what the ERGs are and what the DEIs are? Yeah, of course. So ERGs are employee resource groups. They're, I think the easiest way to describe it is kind of like clubs for people of sim of similar identities, perspectives, backgrounds at a company, right? So a company might have one for women, for black people, for Latinx people, for the LGBTQ plus community, for veterans, for people with disabilities. But they also might have one for working parents. For I talked to a company the other day that had one for people with side hustles, which I thought was I thought that was dope. Yeah, <laughs> for people that literally have like other businesses that they're trying to grow on the side. So it's really, it's about like, generally, it's it's mainly about identity-based, but, you know, you can have one for different interests and stuff like that. DEI stands for diversity, equity, and inclusion. You might you might call it like inclusion and diversity. You might call it diversity, equity, justice, and inclusion. There are a bunch of names for it, but it's generally just the practice of making workplaces more inclusive and diverse through like actual dedicated strategies and not just kind of through word of mouth or whatever a lot of companies are trying to do right now. Absolutely. Exactly. So fantastic. So we know we've learned a little bit more about Chessy and, and, and your solution. And that's fantastic. We know a little bit why you decided to start it with your sister. But let's get to know your background a little bit. Let's talk about your family's background and talk about the process of coming over here uh, to America and things of that nature. And tell us a little bit about how that kind of started and what life was like there and then growing and then for your parents, you know, what life was like there, then coming over and, and kind of getting an opportunity for people to understand you and your sister a little bit more and, and put a little more perspective behind the reasoning behind this uh, company. Yeah, yeah. So we moved. I was born in Nigeria, like I said. It was actually I was born, and then two years later, my sister, my sister Dumebi was born, and then we moved over here in '98. So I was four years old. Uh, we grew up in in a town called Clemens, North Carolina. I was in North Carolina most of my like adolescent life. I went to school at UNC Chapel Hill, and for me, I had always wanted to start my own business. I was like, I was that kid, literally that kid selling sodas out of his locker in middle school, and it was just a matter of like. You know, can I find something that I'm like passionate about, but also could be like a good business, you know? So I went, I went to UNC Chapel Hill undergrad, um, graduated. I went into consulting like so many people do because I was like trying to find the industry or the thing that I would be passionate enough about to like hopefully start my own thing or just like jump into afterwards. And funny enough, I actually didn't find it for my consulting work, but, um, I was doing a lot of diversity recruiting work at, at UNC for Accenture because, you know, the company wants to recruit people from the same schools every year and, you know, keep a pipeline or whatever. So I was doing a lot of that. I was head for the black for black student recruiting 
Um, and I just kind of fell in love with it. I was like, you know, it's really cool for me to feel like I'm giving back to my school, to people that look like me at that were in very similar positions to me. Um, and that's kind of how I got into diversity and inclusion as a whole. You know, I just thought I wanted to explore. This is probably around, I think, 2017. So it wasn't it was starting to pick up. but I don't think it was nearly as popular back then. And I just started this blog. It was called Corporate While Black. And I was just writing per- about my experiences in the workplace, talking about like imposter syndrome. And um, I was also giving like opinion based pieces on like talking about salary and stuff like that right now like how we should do that and like we should drop the taboo around and stuff like that so that's how i got more into it and i also kind of wanted to use the blog as like something i could point to because i was starting to apply to diversity inclusion jobs and i didn't really have a direct experience so i wanted to be like you know i'm applying to this job i know i don't have direct experience but i'm you know consultant whatever and look at this blog that i'm writing i'm a subject matter expert so i spent probably the next year or two like in consulting but also still like trying to learn more about dei um, starting to apply to more jobs and then i remember specifically i was looking at a job at lyft in dei and i found myself i was like this looks perfect it's in new york city because i was trying to move to new york at the time and i was like i don't you know i don't really i don't know anything about lyft so i was like went on my, le- my linkedin to see if i could find somebody that worked there because i didn't have anyone in my network that worked there anyway and i found myself looking to connect with black people because i figured like you know i bet a black guy's experience is going to be very similar or at least relatable to the experience that i'm going to have and that was kind of like the the light bulb like oh you know, I, I can't be the only person that tries to do this whenever they're looking at a new job, like tries to find out what it's like to be black at a company, a woman at a company, et cetera. And, you know, I kind of took that to my sister who had started working at, at her tech company at the time. And we both just to kind of agree, like, yo, this isn't really something that exists already. So that was like the legitimate light bulb moment, I think, for both of us, like us just kind of talking back and forth. Like, you know, there's not a glass door for minorities out there. Why don't we build it? So when you guys decided to to kind of work together. Was there any, any doubts on that as family members or was it like, oh, full bore, full bore, forego, no problem? Dude, honestly, honestly, no. And maybe like we were just, it's weird. I feel like the, the less, you know, the more, the braver you are, you know what I mean? Like the, the more, the less, the fewer like barriers will be up for you to like, just take a leap into something. Right. So like neither of us do anything about tech, about building, about coding, about anything. We were just like, let's just go into it. Let's try it. And no, I mean, honestly, I think we both had the idea. I think I, I will admit, and she probably agree with me on this. Like, I think I was a little bit more serious about it from the beginning. And then 2019 came and maybe like halfway, like the spring of 2019 came and like, we were just talking. I was like, listen, I'm like, I'm like really trying to do this. You know what I mean? I'm trying to like focus on, it was still diversified at the time. We were called diversified at the time. And then um, I think the flip kind of the switch kind of flipped for her and she was like, all right, let's do this. Let's like, let's see if we can make this a real thing. And she got more serious about it as well. But no, I mean, you know, you know, we started the company at the same at, together and we've been doing it together and we've, you know, we split our equity and everything like that, but we got a good working relationship for sure. Yeah. I'm sure you've gotten that question quite a bit. I'm sure it's a popular one. A lot. Yeah. yeah a lot. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, did she have that same passion for you for entrepreneurship to start like it would growing up or, or was that something that kind of just, I don't think so. No, I think she's more tied to like, let's help people that look like us, you know, let's lift as a climb piece of this thing. Mm-hmm. So I don't think she does, but you know, I think that's fine. I think it's, you need one or the other. Ideally you need both, but if you have one or the other, if you just really, really like starting businesses and challenges and stuff like that, or um, I actually, that's a lie. I think if you, if you need the passion to the problem you're solving much more than you need the, I like to start businesses. Cause there are a lot of other businesses that you could start that are less <laughs> stressful than, you know, the kind of things that we're trying to build. So I agree completely. Yeah. When it comes to these types of, of 
projects and these types of businesses, passion is, is number one. You got to be full, full bore into it. And that seems to be the theme I get from talking to a lot of entrepreneurs such as yourself. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about some of the recent uh, success that uh, Chesley has had. Uh, I know and I saw that you were a grant winner, 50K. So tell us a little bit about that, that you got and everything and that process. And, and obviously, congratulations. Yeah, thanks, bro. Thanks. Um, I think it was um, at the start of this year. I listen to How I Built This. It's like one of my favorite podcasts. And they, you know, at the end of the show, they were making calls for applicants for their fellowship program. And we were applying, you know, we just readily, we uh, pretty steadily apply for grants, programs, accelerators, whatever. So like, I just had a list of things I need to apply to. I put that on the list. I submitted the application and honestly forgot about it. And then a couple months later, they reached out and they were like, congratulations, you're a fellow. Like there was no in between step, no follow-up interview, no nothing. It was straight up like, congrats, you're a fellow. And I was like, this looks like spam. Like I was legit, I legitimately did not believe it. And then they sent like a bunch of follow-up materials and like all this promotional stuff. And like, you can't tell anybody, but it will be announced in like three, four days. And the fellowship was really cool. It was, it was myself and nine other founders all working on like very, it was very much like social impact world helping problems. So I got to know all, a lot of the other founders really well. And we just had, I think it was four or five weeks of just mentorship calls with different people that had been on the podcast, which was really cool, which was really cool. And each call was about, you know, building community, testing and validating your idea, finances, pitching your company, selling your story, whatever, whatever. So that was also very helpful. And then it, the it ended in a uh, pitch competition to Guy Raz and Tristan Walker and Pyle Kadakia, the founder of ClassPass and a couple other people. And um, I apologize if I butchered her name. And it's weird, man. I, we, we pitched and I had been practicing. Like I, I'd, I'd never practiced as much for a pitch as I did for that one. Cause I was like, this 50,000 would really, really do it for us, you know? And I was so ready. And then right before I was about to get on guy who was like hosting and kind of, uh, you know, guiding the trip, guiding the ship was like, sorry, I got to take a break. You had to like step off. So he iced me like, he like, you know, you know, how you like ice a kicker. He iced me because I was like ready to go. I had like my beginning speech or whatever. So I just had to sit there for like an extra five minutes and then right also right before that they gave us these like bougie cameras to use and they sent them to us like these hd cameras and i had accidentally left mine on the entire time like even because you weren't your, your camera wasn't actually on when you were uh when you weren't presenting so but i'd left mine on in, anyway and it died like 20 minutes before i was supposed to start pitching so then i had to like rig up i had to like literally get an extension cord from upstairs rig it up to the camera so it would be sort of working so i was already a little flustered and then i got iced and then i pitched and i was just like I felt like I was rambling a little bit. I didn't like really hit on the points that I wanted to deliver on. And they asked me some questions and they were just asking questions specific. Cause at this point we had, we hadn't pivoted at all to the software. We were still doing very much the glassware thing. And they were just asking questions that we hadn't been able to answer in a year. Right. That, that I knew what we were going to ask, that we were going to get asked, but I was hoping I would just have better responses for it. So we finished the pitch. I texted my sister. I was like, yo, we didn't get that, man. Like, I mean, they didn't announce it, but I was just like, I was not confident at all. I was like, there's no chance we got it. I'm just, I, you, I, I can send you the screenshots after, or maybe you can include it in like the show notes or something, but I did not feel good about it. I just wrote it off. I was like, forget it. Like, there's no chance. I'm not even thinking about it. So like the day of the pitch, the day of the, they announced the winner this is a very long story, but it's coming to an end. The day they announced the winner, it was like the Friday before Memorial day. My sister was actually in Atlanta because she was just in town visiting. And, um, she was saying she like had dinner scheduled with a friend. I didn't even tell her that they were announcing the pitch competition winner because I was so confident that we weren't winning. I was like, you know, go, you go do whatever. I like, I'll let you know who wins. And then I texted her like 10 minutes before they announced it. I was like, yo, by the way, they're about to announce the, the winner of the pitch competition. And she was like, ha ha. Okay. Like, let me know who wins. And I was like, LOL, if we win, I'm going to quit my job. 
I said, LOL, very unlikely, but if we win, I'm going to quit my job. <laughs> and then they announced it. They were like, and the winner is Toby Egbuna. And I was like, oh, wow. I really have to quit. I was like legitimate speechless. And I was thinking all these things, I got to quit my job now. I texted her. I was like, fam, dot, 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 we won. And she was like, what? Like, call me back, et cetera, et cetera. It was, it was a, a crazy, you know, couple of days. I mean, it's been a crazy couple, you know, three months or so, but that is a very long story behind the how I built this fellowship. Sure, absolutely. That's awesome. That's a, <laughs> that is a great story. The icing, that's cold. The icing is cold. cold. It's so cold. Man. No, next Come time I now? talk to, to Guy Raz, I gotta I gotta bring it up again because it was it messed me up. It messed me up. <laughs> Yeah, back to to kind of on that on that number, the theme and the funding and the investing as well. Kind of take us through that process a little bit. How's that kind of coming along? Is it going okay? Is it been a lot of bootstrapping to start to to get this solution out there and more attainable? And and kind of how's that been? So yeah, we have been we have been bootstrapped. I think my sister and I each put in. I think somewhere we each put in around five thousand of our own money. Maybe about honestly, maybe like three hundred or three thousand. And then we actually did two consulting projects. So that we were through those projects, we were able to get about 12,000 in the bank. So we had 11, 12, 13,000 in the bank before the, the, the podcast or before the, the fellowship. And it wasn't enough. It was enough for us to like keep our website up and every now and then hire a freelancer for a different kind of thing. But we weren't spending big on like a developer for the software because that would have been more than we had to spend. So I actually learned how to build it in no code with bubble. Oh, okay. I took, I took like, yeah, I took a little coding boot class, a bubble boot camp over Christmas break. Cause I knew it was going to be a, a dead period or slow period. Anyway, I was just like, I'm just going to learn how to build it. The same thing. Like the, our actual website, I learned how to build that too. And Webflow. I just took it. I was like, at the start of the pandemic, I was like, we don't have enough money to actually get somebody to build this for us. I don't want to be dependent on somebody else. I'm just going to learn it. So I did. So I was able to get like the thing that I showed that initial customer that reached out to us. I was ready. Everybody gets an MVP up basically and show it to them, a minimum viable product and show it to them. And then we won the grant. So now we have this extra money to actually hire devs because now there are people asking about like integrations and like they're asking about stuff that like I could try to learn. But at this point we have this money. It's literally designed. We literally told them we need this money to, to buy developers and we're not actively fundraising right now. This 50,000 will take us at least, at least through the end of the year, but probably longer for, if we're savvy, like we have been. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And you know, you want to be able to have some time for yourself to focus on some of those other things as well. Let the professional devs do their thing, you know, uh, keep that industry alive with the no code people taking over. No, <laughs> <laughs> of course, um, of course. Well, they are, no, it's, it's no code developers building. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah, my me. tech side coming out a little bit. No, um, <laughs> but but back to back to kind of the solution and, and kind of the growth process to seeing where you're at now and growing with it. Obviously, I feel like, and you kind of touched on this back in 2016, 17, it wasn't as prominent. I, I feel like in the really the last five years, you could go back to 10 years, we've kind of seen this societal change and openness and willingness to just kind of accept people's stories because i feel like maybe before it was very uncomfortable for some people and now there's a lot uh, more people willing to open and hear it so tell us a little bit about how people actually tell their stories on your platform and the ways that people can go through and actually read them a little bit you know from the very beginning we realized that we were competing with glassdoor right like very directly and you know if you look at glassdoor they've been around for 10 12 years they have so much information, so much data, right? And we were just like, we're never going to compete with Glassdoor in terms of quantity of data. So where we need to beat them is quality. And that's why we crafted this around. It's not a review. It's a story, right? It's like an anecdotal piece of somebody's experience at a company. 
what we actually started doing was just interviewing people. So I would call you, say you had worked at Twitter. I'd be like, hey, well, like, what was the application process like at Twitter? Um, what was the promotion process like? How was your relationship with your manager? Is there any kind of training and development programs? Like, what are those like, et cetera? And we do these, what we call now story interviews with people. So we end up finding, getting much more detailed and, and comprehensive insight into this, into one individual person's experience at XYZ company than we did if they just like said that we just sent them a link to a form. You know, people always say in the beginning of companies, like do stuff that doesn't scale. This is that. We just kept thinking like, you know, what if this scaled? This is exactly how we beat Glassdoor is if our insight, we're never, again, we're never going to have as much data, but if our reviews are so much more comprehensive and genuine and like fulfilling, right? Maybe that, that the insight that we provide will be more helpful for the job seekers that we're trying to help. So with this $50,000, we've also built out what we call this a storyteller program. So we're hiring a lot of college interns. We pay them for each interview that they conduct. And each interview generally gets us between 10 to 12 stories about one person's experience at Apple, Uber, Accenture, IBM, whatever company. And that's how we're trying to get this story counts up. And do they read them on the website then, I assume? Yeah. So it's, it's pretty simple. You come to the site, um, you create an account, and then you just search through for whatever company it is that you're looking for. You can segment it by industry, um, or you can filter directly for you know whatever company it is. You can go to that company's page, and you can see basic information about the company. If they published a diversity report, you can see that as well. Like percentage of black people, women, et cetera. Um, and then you can just view the stories. It's actually segmented by individual user and you can kind of filter through. So the idea is that I can find stories from people that identify as male, black, 21 to 30, or any kind of combination of my identity. I click into that person and then it opens a new tab with all of that person's stories listed out. And also like a, a quick note about do they recommend the company or not? Very interesting. And do you have any, uh, at this time or maybe in the future, do you have any ideas to maybe expand on that? I think the next piece of this problem is, you know, it's obviously great to read the stories, but the stories help you decide, like, do I want to apply? Right. But then you get into the point where you have a couple competing offers. And your next question is more about like, like the experience is good here, but am I going to have like my tribe, my community here? And what we want to do is expand Chessy to be kind of a, a platform for you to actually find your community at a job before you apply. Right. So that means you can, you actually get a chance. And that's kind of where this ERG piece comes in. Right. There are black people applying to uh, XYZ company. XYZ company has a black ERG where a bunch of its black employees are networking and socializing and, and finding belonging, et cetera. But if you're a person outside the company, you have no access to the ERG. But imagine if you did. Imagine if you were like in your final round of the interview right before that day, or after you got your offer, you got to just like kind of kick it with people virtually in that ERG and talk to them. Not even necessarily about the work experience, just like, about the Super Bowl, about Kanye's concert, about sp whatever sports or clothing line or whatever, just like get literally just get to know them the way that you would like at a coffee, you know, coffee table. That can kind of be for companies the way that they actually convert people from just like applicants to people that are accepting their job offers, right? But for job seekers, it's actually like, I really feel like I vibe with the people at this company more than I did that company. So I'm going to choose this one because I actually got a chance to kind of interact with them. So that's where we see the company going. And there are other pieces that we can add to the stories. Maybe there's a way for like people to message the person that submitted the story. They had a more specific question, et cetera, but a lot on the roadmap, a lot of possibilities for sure. It's just kind of figuring out how to do it. Right. Right. And, and I believe I saw this on, on the platform as well. Like you may not have the, obviously the name or, and it's anonymous, but you have, you'll have like that specific position or department in the company. Is that, is that correct? You have, say that one more time. So like, for example, if, um, if I'm Amazon, right, if yeah. I'm working at Amazon in, the, in yeah. the finance department, is there a category to be like, okay, I am Will, I worked in the finance department, 
Well, except without the name. And so when you're submitting the story, yeah, right. Know? When you were reading the story, so you have an idea because obviously when you go into a big company like that, there are different divisions. The roles are different. So, yeah. so you may have somebody who's in the tech, but they're never going to interact with someone in in finance, exactly. for example. Yeah, yeah. So we do we capture the portrait traits, and we capture this. The rest of this is optional, but you can either submit your job title, like finance analyst, or you can say like entry level if you because again, as you when you put the portrait traits in there for some of these companies there's only like five black people, <laughs> right? So yeah, if you, if you go in there and put male, black, 21 to 30, they're like, well, that can only be one of three people. <laughs> and then you put in your job title. It's like, okay, so we know it was Toby that submitted this. So we put in some, um, some ways to get around that. You only have to submit one portrait trait. Uh, you can put your job title or experience level. You can include your location or just leave that off entirely. Um, so that's kind of how we handle it. Most of the people that we talk to put all the information in there because again, most of these companies are bigger, right? So if you're working at Amazon or something like that, then it's a lot tougher. But great point about if it's a smaller company like that, I mean, you're, you're really limiting your options, right? And that defeats the purpose of anonymous. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, and so Toby, how do you and your sister see this kind of scaling? And, and by scaling, I don't necessarily mean through the company, but from a societal perspective mm. of continuing these stories, continuing these ability to, to, to connect with people uh, in your community and things of that nature as well. Cause like we talked about, you know, last few years, especially, I mean, you can say over the last decade, last few years, especially we've seen that growth. Growth. Do you see that kind of really continuing within the the workforces today? Yeah, yeah, we do. I mean, we we I, I brought it up before trying to like talk about Salesforce, Salesforce for sales, HubSpot for marketing. We want to be Chessy for DEI, right? Anything that companies are doing for DEI, whether that's right now it's ERGs, but eventually we want to get into training and recruiting and mentorship programs and all this other stuff that they're doing to make the workplaces more inclusive, giving them the resources to where like they don't have an excuse anymore. Right. Right now, they may say we don't have any budget. We don't really know how to do it. We don't have any expertise, whatever. But if we can give that all to them um, and a way for them to track everything and actually give them insights as to what's working, what's not working, how they're comparing to other companies, where they're trending. Right. Like based on the recruiting and then retention data, there's really no excuse for them to say to still have the numbers and the, the retention scores, et cetera, that they already have. But for job seekers, our mission is to redesign workplace DEI so people can find jobs that they love. And we've always had the job seeker, the employee at, at heart. The vision is to create the most inclusive workplaces on earth. That's why I'm talking about like building this out as big as we can, because the bigger we get the company, the more people we help. Right. So, I mean, I think for us, the, the biggest challenge is like trying to identify the next step. You know, we know what the big, big vision is, but like the path to get there is a lot is very foggy. So, you know, every day it's just a matter of defogging it a little bit so we can figure out, okay, we need to do this next, then this next, then this next. But yeah, I mean, we got, we got big dreams for sure. Yeah. So obviously, you know, with, with the great solution, do you take in a lot of feedback from your, uh, I guess, job seekers that are using the platform and using it for that? Because I would imagine that they, they might be able to help you with that next step based on their data and things. You know what? It's, it's, it's kind of bad on our end, but. You know, we started the platform, I think, really well by just straight up just talking to people. Before we did anything else, we were like, what do y'all want to know about working at a company? And that was like two years ago when we were still kind of in ideation phase. And we've really honestly kind of gotten away from that. You know, we, we've we very much like features that we've launched or like the way we've designed the product has been based on what Demavi and myself think is helpful, which to, a, to an extent works because we are our own users. But you don't want to base what you're doing on the insights of two people especially the two people that are like very much plugged into exactly what you want this to do. You want it. So I've been actually as of this uh, last week, I've started just, I've started to just reach out to members of our, of our community to say, to hop on calls with them and say like the same kind of questions. What do you want to know about a company when you get there? And then ask them questions about like the UI and the UX behind our actual website to make sure it's clear, it's intuitive. Um, 
but yeah, man, we want to build, we want to be community driven. We want to make sure that we're building features for the, we're really building features for the people that we want to help and not just, you know, based on things that we think are cool or would, or would be helpful. Well, that's going to get a heck of a lot easier with the the 50K that you don't, so you don't have to take those uh, no code classes and all that type of stuff. And you can utilize your time, uh, you know, for that type of stuff as well uh, on that front. So it's really interesting. I really think the platform is fantastic, especially for the the solution that it kind of provides going forward. I'm curious to, to ask, what are some of the biggest challenges that you faced either internally or externally with the, the company and with the growth and, and with getting the messaging out there? That's a good question. I think that... Um some of the biggest challenges that we faced. I mean, a lot of this, at least on the job seeker side, is just like consumer, which means it's like very marketing heavy. And neither myself nor myself nor my sister is like a, a native digital marketer. I think the same way that I've like kind of learned to build products and stuff, she's learning how to be a better better at digital marketing. But that's the biggest thing. I feel like honestly, it's maybe I'm overconfident, but for the most part, when we tell people when we tell our target user what we're building, they're like, Oh, I get it. I need that, right? It's really just a matter of like getting it in front of people and the right people, people that are actively looking for jobs, people that are in career transitions, coming out of MBA programs, et cetera, like these big groups of people and making sure that we're getting in front of them. So it's really just been a matter of figuring out how to do that for the job seeker side. Um, the challenge for the companies is, especially now that we have this software is, is sales, man. Business to business sales is the worst. It's like, it takes, everything takes 15 times longer than you expected to. And what's funny is that when I first, I've been talking about how, how much of a pain point business to business sales is for a while, but I started saying it's like five times worse than you expected to. Then I was like seven, then 10, then 12. Now I'm saying 15 because we got some like more not great news this week. It just takes long times, you know? And that's really the big thing is just like having the patience to like really stick with people and like let them do trials and really trying to identify who the best and most likely person or company is that's going to purchase what we're selling, right? Like how many people they have, what industry they're in, where they're located, how many ERGs they have, like giving, getting much more granular about how we actually approach sales. Um, I think that's kind of a, a, a challenge that we're facing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think, uh, I think, like you said, I, I think once it's in front of somebody and they see it, it, whether, you know, after you've, you've conquered that marketing and sales strategy, I think it's going to be a hard hard to convince them it's not a good idea right let's hope so yeah uh that's, that's what's well at least for me and i'm not maybe i mean i may not i may not be even your target market and i heard about you and i was like man that's a great idea that, <laughs> that makes a lot of sense yeah that's interesting but yes the the b2b the sales that's always kind of a it's a lot of trial and error isn't it right like trying to see what's working and what's not and and how can you adapt yeah i mean it's just a lot of we started with, we had a good initial network of, you know, uh, diversity, inclusion managers, people that we'd actually be trying to sell to. But once we kind of exhausted them and identify, and, you know, we're in talks, we're still in talks with a good number of them and like trying to see if they're interested in purchasing. But now it's like cold outreach, right? Referrals, trying to get warm introductions, stuff like that. And yeah, I mean, it, it's a grind. It's a numbers game is another thing, you know, like you're, you're very much not going to get a yes every time. You're actually much more likely to get a no, you know? Um, right. Yeah. Cause as amazing as the, as the, the product the, is the social aspect yeah. of it, right. And how is it going to make me profit yeah, or not? Exactly. You know? Exactly. Exactly. And it's kind of like, you know, it's, it's a hard, tough, it's a tough pill to swallow. Cause you're kind of like, you know, what do you mean? You don't like this thing that I built? What do you mean? You don't need it. Yes, you do need it. You definitely need it. So, but I don't know. It's all part of the journey. It's all part of the journey. I think like in X number of years, I'll be able to look back and say, like, I got all these, like, I, like I'm learning product management. I'm learning, I'm learning engineering. I'm learning sales. I'm learning marketing. I'm learning I guess leadership, you know, recruiting because I'm trying to we're trying to find a CTO and stuff now. So, yeah, it's I don't know. I, it, it feels good, and 
you know, we're still very optimistic. That's fantastic. Hey, Toby, speaking of that, what are some things that maybe somebody listening can do to, to kind of support, to kind of help you guys out, to do anything? I, I imagine maybe following some some social media pages, getting some engagement, helping with that digital marketing action or, or things of that nature as well. What are some things that people can do to help kind of raise awareness around this? Yeah, follow us on Instagram, uh, which has the HQ on Instagram. Um, you know, come to the come to the website, create an account. We are updating our story submission process right now. You actually can submit a story online. We're actually going to change it to more to be something where you like you sign up for an interview slot to give people a chance to actually like kind of sign up for the interviews on their own um, and tell their mm-hmm. stories that way. Um, if there's anyone that's interested in telling this story, again, it's totally anonymous. You'd, I think we've interviewed hundreds of people at this point, and they're all very happy with just about the opportunity to kind of give back to, pe- to their own community. Right. By sharing their story and helping people make better and more informed career decisions for anyone out there. That's maybe a, a DEI manager or connected to a DEI manager. We'd love to kind of talk to you all about your employee resource groups and kind of see if there's anything that we can do to support. And just kind of on a broader scale, because I think this is you mentioned, like, what's the impact that you can have on like society? My JV basketball coach used to tell us, uh, guard the man in front of you. And I've always I've like extrapolated that into be like more of a, a life philosophy. Right. Like there are so many societal issues out there. Right. And you can't tackle them all. You you literally cannot tackle them all, right? So like everyone just kind of find the thing that you are best suited to work on and work on that, right? Like take care of your neighborhood, guard the man, like we want to say, guard the woman, guard the man, guard the woman, guard the person in front of you, take care of your, like, what it is that you can work on. And if we each individually do that, we'll be good collectively. So, you know, my sister and I have kind of found the thing that we can work on that we feel best suited to do with Chessie. But if you're an accountant, see if you can offer like some discounted or free you know, accounting services to your local black business or your local uh, woman-owned business. If you're a designer, see if you can help redesign somebody's website, something like that. Find out what it is that you can kind of do to to support. I love it. Yeah, and I was going to comment on that. One of my favorite parts about your platform is you're allowing people to share their experiences, share their stories, and there's nothing more powerful than human connection when you actually get that relation to somebody that's in your group, that's in your tribe, whatever that might be. And you can have that relatable experience, and especially if it's positive, which obviously we're hoping all the companies yeah, have, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, You're it's trying to have some inspirational stuff. Yeah. You're hoping that's the end goal, <laughs> and that type of stuff I think is really going to help people in the in the long run. So, Toby, anything that you'd like to add about your platform, uh, about ways people can help, uh, about anything uh, before we let you go here? Not really. I mean, I just think one thing. I think more and more people, especially after NPR, like a good number of my friends have come out, kind of reached out, like, "Oh, I have this idea. Like, what do you think? How do you get started, etc." I think the best thing you can do is just start. Right. Like Chessie basically started with a blog. If you think about it, started with that corporate wall black in 2017. And, you know, we're nowhere near where we want to be. I, I always like have to remind myself that this is something it takes time. But start with something. Right? If you want to start a podcast, maybe start with a blog. If you want to start a, uh, a clothing line, start selling some some necklaces. Right. Like start small. You don't have to have a website. You don't need to be able to code, especially now. You can spin up something in five minutes with all these services out here. So just start. Don't wait until a month from now until XYZ happens, until you hit certain milestones, just start as soon as you can and, and you'll be surprised at what you, how far you can get. Amazing advice, Toby. Hey, thanks so much for coming on. It's been a pleasure to speak with you as always. Enjoy catching up with you and really appreciate you coming on the podcast. For sure. Well, appreciate you having me. That's uh, Toby Eguna from Chezzy. 
the co-founder, CEO of a beautiful platform that's going to allow minorities to have an opportunity. And, and that's minorities from not just ethnicity, but from veterans and women-owned, all types of things uh, that you could think of and a beautiful opportunity for people to go on, share their story about um, the companies they work for, what it's like to work there and things of that nature as well. Highly encourage that you uh, follow them. Uh, you can follow them on Instagram at Chezzy, C-H-E-Z-I-E-H-Q. And you can also go to their website as well, Chezzy, C H E Z I E dot co. We're going to have all those links available throughout the week. So, so looking very, very much forward to that. Toby, thanks so much again uh, for having you on and look forward to following in your jersey or your journey. <laughs> journey and, and the too. North Carolina days, huh? Yeah, of course. I like that little shout out. Yeah, happy, happy to be here. <laughs> All right. Thanks so much. And that's going to conclude another edition of Talking Solution with the Chess. You can listen on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, and across various other platforms as well. So thanks so much for tuning in. Looking forward to the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Talking Solutions with the Chesh podcast. Tune in every Wednesday for a new episode, and you can find out more about our featured guests and their solutions on our Talking Solutions podcast Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube channels as we focus on highlighting individuals providing solutions to social problems and bringing optimism to the world.